Welcome to the Sugar Switch Podcast, featuring Kathy Orman, health coach and author of The Sugar Switch. This is the number one short, sweet, and to-the-point podcast all about sugar and your health. You'll discover how to kick the sugar, eliminate cravings for good, completely reverse pre-diabetes, increase your energy, and lose weight, look good, and feel great. As well, you'll be empowered to reduce your risk for serious health issues. And now, here's your host, Kathy Orman. Hello, welcome. Today we're going to talk about food and put a different perspective on it. We're going to consider the relationship each of us has with food. Is your food your friend or are you always fighting with food in a love-hate sort of relationship? Once again, I'm super pleased to have a special guest with me in my virtual studio. My guest is Danielle Dayem. Danielle and I had an interview last week and I'm so excited that she can be back with us today to talk about this relationship with food. Danielle is a sugar freedom coach and speaker who is passionate about helping women to reshape their relationship with sugar so they can reclaim control over their health and energy once and for all. Having struggled with sugar addiction herself, she knows exactly how difficult and overwhelming the journey can be. Using her extensive knowledge in nutrition, personal experience, and coaching, Danny helps her clients to discover a new way of living in which sugar cravings and guilt no longer controls their health and their life. For the past five years, Danny has been on her own journey with food. She's learned the power of eating real food and how building a few simple habits can drastically shift our health and our life for good. She's passionate about empowering people to learn what works best in their unique body and life. Danielle is also the co-host of the Quit Sugar Summit, an annual online event bringing the most up-to-date research and information in the world of nutrition and sugar addiction. Welcome back to the Sugar Switch podcast, Danny. I'm so glad that you could join me again. It's yes. always a pleasure to have you here. We always have such a great conversation. Thanks for having me back, Kathy. This is incredible. I had so much fun chatting with you last week. I can't wait to dive a little deeper today. So last week, I know that you talked about your past with sugar. Maybe you can just give us a, a brief update for those people who didn't listen to last week's episode. Absolutely. Well, first of all, go back and watch last week's episode because you definitely want to hear that amazing conversation that we had. But yeah, absolutely. For those of you who don't know me or didn't get to listen to last week's yet, you know, my journey with sugar and, you know, my relationship with food, you know, started at childhood, like everybody. You know, I grew up in a very uh, sugar-friendly home. Uh, we had sugar daily, on the daily. I've always had a sweet tooth and it didn't help that I was a picky eater and all I would eat was white bread and white pasta at the same time. So, you know, that's really where sugar addiction got its hold on me and partially because of the household I grew up in, partially because of society, you know, and it's been ever since then kind of unfolding in my journey with food and my understanding about how I was nourishing my body. And for me, the turning point was really about five years ago on a year long trip in South America with my husband, when I went through an accidental sugar detox. And, you know, really, in that point, I had an eye opening moment where I realized the control that sugar had over my life, and the way that I was eating wasn't actually supporting my long term goals and my health. And, and I took a hard look at my genetic history and, and my actually my genetic future, literally everyone in my family, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncle are struggling with and have died from all of the chronic diseases out there. And I knew that that was my genetic predisposition unless I did something about it, which by the way, we can do with lifestyle and diet, we can we can absolutely put a stop to some of those genetic pre predispositions. So I understood that. And I had that wake up moment, uh, luckily before anything bad happened. And I came home from that trip and really just was really interested in understanding my sugar cravings and what was going on there. And I actually went 
vegetarian for a while and just trying to understand, you know, how I could nourish my body in a better way and what actually felt good to me. So that kind of spurred my, you know, I'd say about two year journey and getting a good handle and getting to a place where I felt like I had a healthy relationship with sugar. And it took me so long because I was doing it all alone. I had no guidance, no direction. I had no idea there were other people out there struggling with this or that could help me. And, and that was part of, you know, my motivation for starting to help others in that journey. And so it doesn't have to take you two years, you know, like, like I did with the right guidance and support, you know, now I have a healthy relationship with sugar where I get to choose and I'm in the driver's seat and, you know, I've taken my power back and it's, it's life-changing. For sure. It absolutely is life-changing when you switch your perspective and your whole thing about sugar. So why do so many people have this love-hate relationship with food? Ooh, what a good question. Honestly, I believe a lot of it comes down to our society. And a lot of it actually comes down to the diet industry. We are inundated as children, you know, right out of the womb with this huge industry that wants us to be stuck in the diet sort of cycle. And it's really, I mean, we can look at lots of cultures as well. And I'm, I'm grateful to have been able to do a ton of traveling in my lifetime. And, and it's been so fascinating seeing different cultures and how they relate to food and how they don't put so much pressure on needing to look a certain way or be a certain way or eat a certain thing. And it's just an effortless passion and zest for eating good whole real foods. But here we are in sort of uh, in, in North America, mainly, you know, and, and really this is worldwide now it's really spreading, but creating this kind of mentality around, I can't have something or food is bad, you know, good food and bad food. We kind of have started labeling these differences and it really starts creating this divide in our head. And we really begin to be confused. And there's an industry that wants us to be confused so that they can present us with the solution. But we're really, you know, in this world now where we can't go into the grocery store and just trust that everything is real food. We have to become investigators and it, it gets a little confusing. Like we have to pick up boxes and read labels and check in. Like, is this actually nourishment or is this a toxic mix of God knows what in this box? So, you know, it's lots changed over the years and we do have to empower ourselves to see what food is going to nourish us and what isn't versus good and bad food. And that mentality of you can and can't eat or good and bad, that duality can really create like this love hate relationship with food. I mean, we want food to taste good, but then at the same time, we want to look good and feel good. And we have to be a certain way in our society to be accepted and considered successful. And there's all these, these societal pressures, let alone our own identity and the ties that we have around our own identity based off of how we look and our weight and what the scale says and how tight our pants are. And we, we start to blame food and we start to blame our body and fight against. And the fight begins the fight of, you know, deprivation after years of being on diets, which I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have tried all the diets, like all of us women have, right? And that sort of mentality is, is hard to kick, especially if it's something that you've been at for so many years. And it creates that duality relationship as opposed to feeling effortless and enjoying food. I mean, we can go to Italy. I mean, that was, that's the one that's popping up on my brain, right? Where they just like enjoy, they enjoy life, but they're eating whole real foods. And that's the main difference is really kind of finding that balance and finding what feels good and tuning back in on that for you. Totally, totally. What is the role of our emotional health when it comes to our relationship with food? 
Mm, another great question. I've been dying to dive into this one with you. I know we touched on it last week a little bit. So there's a couple things going on with our emotional health. And uh, I'll just kind of summarize this for all of you. It's it's obviously a lot deeper and we'd have to have, you know, a couple hour long conversation to cover it all. But there's two things that I've really identified going on around our emotional connection to food. By the way, I believe we're all emotional eaters. There's always some sort of emotional attachment to food. And there's a difference between enjoying food and getting joy from food and relying on food to give you the joy in your life. So when it comes to our emotional connection to food, and, and I notice most people, this is sugar or chips, right? Or salt, which is just sugar too, is that number one is that from childhood and the society that we live in, we link every single emotion to food. So joy, celebration, sadness, stress, grief, you know, and it gets pushed on us, right? You can't watch a movie of a girl getting broken up with, you know, from her boyfriend, not eating ice cream. Like that's pushed on us. Like this is what you do every time you go through a breakup when you're sad you eat a tub of ice cream with your girlfriends on the couch or you drink too much wine, right? Like we get kind of reinforced through advertising. And again, that industry that wants us hooked on sugar. So every single emotion is linked to sugar. And I've actually spoken at lots of events. And I always ask that question, like somebody, please tell me an emotion that's not connected to sugar or food. And I've yet to find one. So if anybody finds one, reach out, (laughs) reach out. I'd love to have that conversation with you. And I'd love for you to prove me wrong. So that's one thing that's going on. But the second piece around our emotional connection to food that that I believe is the biggest piece of work for all of us is that we are all running these patterns where we, again, didn't necessarily grow up in an environment in a world where we were taught how important it was to feel all of our emotions and not only how important it was, but how to sit in those emotions. So I'm talking specifically about the uncomfortable emotions. I purposely don't use the word negative because just like we talked about, there's no good or bad emotions. They're all important. They're all vital parts of being human. Yes, depression, anxiety, grief, all these emotions are vital parts of being human and you're meant to feel them. You're not meant to just be giddy and happy all day long. And I think that's a big, big thing to wrap our minds around and understanding it's okay to be stressed. It's okay to be anxious. So we haven't been given the tools to be able to deal with those and the patterns that we're running are when those heavy emotions come up, those uncomfortable emotions come up, like grief, for example, we don't like the way it feels in our body. It feels extremely uncomfortable. It feels very heavy. And we want immediately to escape. We want to numb out. We want to escape that emotion and we want to feel light. We want to feel relaxed. We want to feel something else instead of the grief. We haven't built up this. We can think of it as like an emotional muscle to be able to honor and allow ourselves to feel the CRAP, (laughs) you know, the, the heavy stuff that comes up and really just allow ourselves to process through that instead of ignoring it. It's like putting a lid on a fizzy water and just shaking it up and spending our lives just ignoring, 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 sweeping those emotions under the rug instead of allowing ourselves to flow through them. So this, I think, is the biggest root of actually any addiction is this inability to be in ourselves in those uncomfortable situations. And we develop that pattern or that habit of escaping and running away and numbing out, right? And we do this with... Netflix, we do this with Instagram, we do this with sugar, food, alcohol. And once you start to recognize this pattern in your own life, you're going to see it everywhere. And I just want you to know it's normal. It's something we're all dealing with. And it's really something that I've big time identified. And this process takes some time and learning to allow those emotions and learning to switch your belief and understand that these emotions are important and these heavy emotions are not going to kill you. (laughs) You're going to be okay. And they're actually vital. Uh, I think so many of us have this belief that we shouldn't feel bad. We shouldn't feel the heavy emotions. And that's such a lie. And I I hope that if anything, that's what you take away from this chat today. um, Because that's a huge piece of really healing our relationship with
with, with food, with sugar, with ourselves, with all areas of our life. I totally agree. And part of that can be cultural in certain cultures, like my English Irish upbringing, it was stiff upper lip. You just don't talk about it. It's just not acceptable. So that also is pushed on us, but it, it all equals the same thing. It all equals pushing it down, burying it, not recognizing it, not being present with it. So yeah. What have you seen with your clients as the best way to begin learning to feel and process emotions in a healthy way? So good. So good. There's obviously a lot to this process and I'll just share a couple things because I don't want you to feel overwhelmed or confused, but it is really important just for me to, to get this across first is that the journey with the emotion is you have to first start with learning to feel. So many people just want to get into processing them right away. They're like, well, what can I do instead? Like help me flush this out as quick as possible. But if you really want to create this lasting change in relationship with your emotional self and your emotional body, you have to learn how to feel first. So yes, that means actually sitting in your grief and crying and feeling the sadness or feeling the anxiety and letting yourself just be in that emotional state instead of processing it right away. Because oftentimes there can be kind of a blurred line between processing, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, versus numbing out. Sometimes a lot of processing techniques are actually numbing out in disguise, right? Like I'm processing my sadness by watching Netflix. No, you're not. You're distracting yourself from your sadness watching Netflix. So really step one is, and that's actually, that's the hardest part is learning to feel again. Just like you're saying, Kathy, so many of us have been taught to just suck it up. That was what I was taught too. you know, put on a brave face, don't cry, be tough, all that language. And men deal with this at a, in a big level as well. You know, so really relearning how to feel and honor and cry and allow yourself to feel what you need to feel on a daily basis. By the way, I feel all these emotions on a daily basis because that's normal part of being human. So learning to feel again, and my advice for starting in that, on that piece, that step one of the journey would really be to just start identifying with what you're feeling. So in any moment, and I find like before you put something in your mouth is a good time to check in on that. So maybe starting a journal or setting even a timer on your phone to go off every couple hours and ask yourself, like even just close your eyes. I love putting, you know, a hand on my stomach, a hand on my heart it helps me really tune into my body and just checking in with, you know, what am I feeling in my body right now? And a lot of, a lot of you may be so disconnected from years of this that you can't even label an emotion. So maybe just label any physical sensations that you feel coming up. You know, if it's heaviness or my jaw is tight or my hips are hurting or whatever's happening, because that is an emotional response going on or showing up in your body. So just beginning to learn how to identify what you're feeling. I think there is, is a really first step. And when you identify it, wow, I'm actually feeling really sad today. For example, just honoring that, acknowledging it and practicing, not running away from it. So that's next step. And if you just need to maybe do a five minute meditation and, and just inquire, what does sadness feel like in my body? Like what's going on here or kind of just tuning back in. So that's what I would say for the learning to feel piece. Then once you're getting a pretty good hand on that, and you notice like when you're stressed, you're not running to escape anymore, or you're not needing to flee, you can start to bring in some healthy processing. And when it comes to processing, um, the most important thing that you do, it doesn't matter what technique you use. It's just the most important thing you're doing is not just distracting yourself. So processing is all about being present in your body and helping the energy of whatever emotion is there flow through you because emotions are just energy emotions. So helping the flow of energy. So my favorite way is dancing it out, shaking it out, like moving my body really helps 
depending on what emotions coming up for you, you know, sadness and anger have very different needs for processing. You know, anger is more of a physical one for a lot of people where sadness would be a good cry. Crying is an amazing way to process emotions. If you feel the tears coming on, please don't stop them. Let them flow. That is your body's natural way of saying, I need to release something here. Please don't put a lid on me. <laughs> Going for a walk in nature. Just be really careful if you're, you know, listening to music or this amazing podcast. Um, just being very careful of the fine line between distracting your going outside of your mind and your body versus being in your mind and your body. So moving, doing a vigorous workout, a really powerful one is actually yelling and screaming. It's like one of the best emotional releases that I've ever had is on a hike where, you know, I just screamed at the top of my lungs on the top of a mountain and just let it all out. You can do that into a pillow. If you can't be at the top of a mountain where you're not going to scare everyone, like letting out that energy in a way that really feels in tune with you and having a short list of things that you can do. Maybe you need to throw a ball at a wall or you just need to go for a walk or you just need to shake your body out and dance it out and just have a good shake, booty shake. Or maybe you need to talk it out or journal it out or meditate. There's so many powerful things that you can do to just be with your body and support the movement of energy. I know EFT tapping is another one. Um, something I do for myself is neurodynamic breath work. There's so many incredible things. So just make a short list for yourself and just start brainstorming. What are some ways that I get energy flowing in my body? Um, and how can I support the flow of this? And even just keeping that short list. So next time you're feeling the stress or the anxiety or the grief, you can go and look at your list and see, okay, what feels right right now? What, what do I feel like doing that's going to help this flow? That's what I would say is kind of the first little steps to in the right direction in terms of feeling and processing emotions. Very helpful. Thank you. You're the co-host of the Quit Sugar Summit. It's a wonderful annual event that's just around the corner. I'm really excited about it. So can you tell us just a little bit about it? Absolutely. And thank you for reminding me to bring that up. Um, we're so grateful that Kathy, you are going to be one of our speakers this year on the summit. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. Super excited. <laughs> um, so the Quit Sugar Summit is, we're heading into our sixth annual summit that's taking place this January, 2021 from January 11th to 17th. And uh, myself and my co-host, Mike Collins, we have banded together. I think at this point we have over 50 of the world's leading experts, doctors, PhDs, scientists, therapists, coaches, everyone from all walks of life really coming together and sharing their expertise around not only the scientific pieces behind sugar and sugar addiction and what it does to our body, but also, you know, these emotional pieces we're talking about, the hormonal aspects to bring in. It's such an incredible event. And we've had some amazing feedback every year from people who come to the event and that event is their turning point, you know, in really getting the tools and the support that they need to finally start their journey with sugar. That obviously is our goal and it really warms our hearts. So we're excited to be coming back for another incredible year. And we've got some brand new speakers this year and the event is completely free. So I'm sure Kathy's going to put the link below uh, this interview and you guys can all come over and get registered in order to get, you know, obviously all the information and access to the free videos when they come live for the week, January 11th. Yes, absolutely. I will definitely put the link at the end of the interview and in the show notes on the sugarswitchpodcast.com. In fact, here's the direct link to register right now for free. Go to quitsugarsummit.com, question mark, A like apple, F like Fred, M like mother, C like cat, equal sign, B like boy, N like Norman. Once again, that's quitsugarsummit.com, question mark, A-F-M-C equals B-N. It's a fantastic event and very exciting. 
Danielle, how can people reach you if they have some questions and they want to contact you? Absolutely. I would, and I would love that. I love hearing from people. I love having these conversations. Um, so the best way to find me is on my website. So Danielle Dame, my last name is spelled D-A-E-M.com. So Danielle Dame.com on Facebook, you can find me at Danielle Dame coaching and on Instagram at Danielle Dame. So those are the best places to kind of reach out, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here today and sharing this incredible, interesting perspective about food with our listeners. It's really, really important to have all these different perspectives and to make a difference in how we perceive food and sugar and move forward in our lives. Thank you. I always like to end every episode with the bottom line. So here's the bottom line. Today's episode was a great conversation where Danielle Dame shared with us some of her insights as to why so many people end up with a love-hate relationship with food and with sugar. She also talked about the role of emotional health when it comes to our relationship with food, including two things in particular that are going on with emotional health. Then Danielle gave us some tips about how to process emotions in a healthy way. Danielle is co-host of the upcoming Quit Sugar Summit, and she gave us some information about the summit, which happens online from January 11th to 17th, 2021. You won't want to miss this amazing event, so be sure to register. It's a free event. It'll be totally packed with amazing speakers and insight into kicking sugar. To register, head on over to quitsugarsummit.com question mark A-F-M-C equals B-N. We now have a Sugar Switch group on Facebook, so come on over and check it out. The group is called Sugar Switch with Kathy. You can get lots of support and connect with me as well as connect with others that are on a health journey to switch out sugar and refined foods and switch in nutritious foods. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sugar Switch with Kathy forward slash. The Sugar Switch Podcast is always available on thesugarswitchpodcast.com and on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Blueberry, Google Podcasts, Podcast Index, and on Android. Until next time, live the sweet life by switching out harmful foods and switching in real nutritious foods one step at a time. Bye for now. Thank you for joining Kathy on the Sugar Switch Podcast. If you would like to be free of sugar and relentless cravings, increase your energy all day, every day, reverse pre-diabetes, and totally avoid serious health issues like diabetes, inflammation, and heart and stroke issues, Kathy Orman would love to connect with you. Find out how the Sugar Switch system can help you be the healthiest you can be. Contact Kathy Orman at www.thesugarswitchpodcast.com. Tune in next week for more great info on the Sugar Switch Podcast. And we'd love it if you'd submit a review for the Sugar Switch Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.